Let's go in-depth on Hawkeye Sports with the Des Moines Register. It's time for Hawk Central, powered by G Miggs Fifth Street Pub on 1460 KXNO. Off and running with Hawk Central, a full hour of Hawkeye conversation here with two of my buddies. You see their work at hawkcentral.com and all throughout the Des Moines Register. Chad Leistico and Mark Emmert. Leistico, back from Chicago. What's up, man? Look like you got some sun. How you doing? That's I think that's still from Mexico. Oh uh, yeah. Oh, Mark Emmert, you got some sun. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, a little. A little. <laughs> Very little. Why do you ask? <laughs> I just thought you know it was so nice in Chicago. Never mind. Anyway, we did go to the Cubs game back. Sunday. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, that's it. Was that the highlight of the trip? Then <laughs> was going to Wrigley. Uh, I think the highlight was uh, the music selection in Geno's East. <laughs> Wasn't it, Mark? <laughs> Good call. Well, actually, the highlight for me was you fixing my phone at Geno's East. That's, That's true. That was a great thing night. I'll never forget. <laughs> Chad Lysico, IT guy extraordinaire. <laughs> All right, Chad, where, where should we start here? Because I know this. The, the cool thing about this is you guys get a really good feel and look at all the other teams in the Big Ten. We do yeah. have a few Hawkeye things that we could probably pick apart here. Where did you want to start tonight? You know, I, what I put on the lineup, and if you guys want to start here, that's great. If not, we can change gears. But I, I thought um, kind of the headliner for the Hawkeyes at this thing was Nate Stanley. And uh, I really do think that the season kind of rests on his shoulders. Uh, no pressure. Um, I thought we could start there. All right, that's funny that you wanted to start there because that's, we, we had Scott Docterman on with us last hour, and we were actually talking about this very thing, Mark, about how important this Hawkeye passing game is. There are some national pundits that have looked at this Hawkeye team and schedule, and they think that's where the success either shows up or falls apart for this Hawkeye team. I, I think that's strong. I think, first of all, it's a lot of expectation to put on a passing game that hasn't really been that productive, but you are coming into what should be the the kind of coming of age of Nate Stanley here. Where do you fall on this? Yeah, I mean, it needs to be, I think, his coming of age because obviously there's a lot of questions in the running game. So, um, you know, he he threw 26 touchdown passes last season, and he and he and Noah Fant are kind of the two known commodities on that offense right now that have proven it, you know, at the at the college level so far. I mean, so I think that's uh, that's a fair statement. Uh, obviously, it goes well beyond Nate Stanley, but it, it all uh, it all starts there for sure. Chad, do you think that that I mean, does the success of this Hawkeye team is it going to come down to what Nate Stanley's yeah. pass interception rating uh, is, his well, numbers, his touchdowns? I mean, is it Nate Stanley's? No, I wouldn't say that. Okay. I would say it's it's about his command of the offense. Okay. I, I think that's the whole thing because he they've basically Brian Ferentz has tasked him with uh, you know being Iowa's version of Tom Brady, and and Stanley said this week he said he's been studying Tom Brady and and the Hawkeyes. Offensive staff visited the the Patriots in the off season. I mean, they're um, Brian Ferentz. That's where Brian Ferentz came from, obviously, as you guys all know. But um, their whole thing is have Nate Stanley get to the line of scrimmage, find the mismatches, get to those mismatches, understand exactly what the defense is going to do, and then find Noah Fant, find T.J. Hawkinson, find Amir Smith Marset, find Nick Easley, give the ball to Torn Young. Um, you know, find whatever's going to work in that offense, and it really they really does rely on Stanley. And he talked a lot about that uh, this week in Chicago, and um, I think there's a lot of reason for optimism there. Mark, tell me what you thought of Nate Stanley uh, up there on on that stage. That's a very different feel. Obviously, you've got a lot of unfamiliar faces that are throwing stuff at you. How did Nate Stanley handle himself with the media? You know what? I got to be really honest with you. I didn't spend a second over there with Nate Stanley. That was all Chad. Mm-hmm. I had already written about him in advance, so I, I stuck with uh, Coach Ferentz. So 
I'll be curious to know what Chad says. Chad, was there a lot of uh, national media there or media outside of Iowa talking to Nate? You know, it, it, early there was, and then the Ohio State guys came in, <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> and then it was mostly Iowa media. But uh, yeah. here, I'll say, uh, I do want to get your take on Nate too, because you did a fantastic story that I don't even think we've really talked about yet um, for, for this past Sunday's register. But uh, yeah, I thought Nate seemed like he's growing in comfort with the media, and I think that that is a parallel um, thing with how he is becoming comfortable as a football player as well. I thought also what was most um, interesting, Ross, was that uh, just what the other Hawkeyes that were there were saying about Nate Stanley, uh, Parker Hesse and Matt Nelson. I mean, they uh, uh, he's just a very well-respected, unbelievably respected leader. And here's a guy that's 20 years old. He's basically just finished his sophomore year. He's This is a guy that's not even started his third year on campus yet, team captain. People talk about him like they did C.J. Beathard as a fifth-year senior. To me, that's what it reminds me of, just kind of that guy that everybody wants to follow. So that's why I think this whole season is so intriguing with Stanley. And, you know, if God forbid anything happens to him, you know, I think the season could also fall apart pretty quickly. How good was he last year, Chad? If, or, when we look at that number, uh, the, the 26 and 6, is that, uh, is, should we expect that again? Well, I th- here's what I think about the 26 and 6. I think. Uh, I think I'm guilty of probably writing that. I mean, I think we all do. We all talk about Nate Stanley's sophomore year, and we think of 26 and six. Um, but obviously, there was a lot of uh, miscues and and learning <laughs> learning curve that went along with that. I mean, you look at his completion percentage; it was under 56. Um, the yardage total was okay. He averaged 187 yards a game. That's not spectacular, especially when the running game wasn't very good. Um, he did throw a lot of touchdowns, and that's. That comes from having good tight ends um, in the red zone. That's hugely important. But I think he's got a long ways to go in terms of his uh, complete passing game. And so to get to get back to your point to the start of the show, I think that's one of the most fascinating storylines of the season is how good will this passing game be? Because I'm not super confident in the running game, and but I am confident in Nate Stanley um, being able to be that kind of master of the offense. Now he just has to execute it with his arm. Yeah. Mark, I, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about that. Some of the national pundits are putting a lot of praise on Nate Stanley. What are you hearing when you were when you were in media days? You're kind of just eavesdropping on some guys or chatting with some other folks. What do what does the what do other guys think about Nate Stanley? Yeah, that's interesting. They say that because I didn't, I didn't hear much buzz about him at all. Okay, Chicago when I was there. I mean, where I was where I was standing and sitting and who I was talking to, he was not really mentioned a lot. And uh, I'm sure that's the way he likes it. Um, I can tell you when I was at the com- NFL Combine in in, uh, in Indianapolis this spring that, that there's NFL scouts were already aware of him, but I'm not sure how much national love he's actually getting. It seems like Noah Fant's getting a lot more than Nate Stanley. Chad, agree with that? I think that Fant may be more deserving of the national love. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But uh, did you hear a lot, Chad? Or I, it, that, that, that's well, my surprise. That statement that he's getting a lot of national, you know, attention. Well, I think he's. Um... I, no, I did not. I mean, I didn't hear. It wasn't like people were talking about him as you know at the level of Trace McSorley, and I don't. They, nor should they probably. Um, no, but exactly. or Hornybrook. Right, um, but I do think. I mean, I've I've stated this uh, already. I think he could be the best. I stated this in my column the other day. I think he he might be the best quarterback in the Big Ten West when all is said and done this year, and that counts yeah. Alex Hornybrook, counts Clayton Thorson. 
uh, counts the two guys from Purdue. I mean, I think Stanley's right there. Uh, I just don't think he's really, you know, Iowa hasn't been on that national stage to, to, uh, you know, demonstrate what he can do. And like I said, he was kind of, he was a little bit bumpy last year, but, uh, I just thought it was real interesting as a whole that here's the guy they brought. Um, and I think that says a lot about the, the whole nature of the program and what this season's all about. They ne- they need Stanley to be that leader and the producer. I, I want to ask you what maybe some of the other guys were saying about Noah Fan. If that is a guy that was getting some buzz, but before we get to that, Chad, you mentioned something earlier that we kind of went slide by about meeting with the Patriots. That the offense went out and mm-hmm. did something with the Patriots. Can you kind of tell us what happened there? Why this is significant? Yeah, they uh, you. Know, trying to uh, i think kirk ferentz used the words what find out what we could beg borrow and steal from them and uh obviously they have a great relationship the ferentz's do with with bill belichick so um you know we don't know details exactly what they did but they um they, you know, what kirk ferentz did discuss was again and this is not a surprise how they use their tight ends and i he he pointed directly to you know without naming <laughs> aaron hernandez uh rob gronkowski and aaron hernandez um, back in their kind of heyday of having two great tight ends, and then in that same sentence said, "We think we've got two pretty good ones too." And um, obviously, Fant and T.J. Hawkinson. So, I think it's all about how to basically. I think it's the season kind of is St- Stanley Fant Hawkinson. I think that's kind of the the whole thrust of the of the offense, the whole crux of the team, and then finding other pieces to help out around him. just like you see the Patriots do right I mean that's it, when you talk about exactly the Gronk Hernandez years that's exactly what it was I mean, you right? can plug a receiver in in that offense no matter who he is pretty much I mean you had a Wes Welker here and there and a Randy Moss you know for whatever a year or two but uh they can kind of plug in those guys but they really need those anchor tight ends at, you know and that and the quarterback obviously to be successful and I think that's what I was trying to do Outside of Fanton Hawkinson, Ference mentioned a few of those other targets through the air. Who did he specifically name? Uh, I heard him talk about six different guys. Um, didn't you, Mark? I think it was uh, he. He yeah. he definitely put a demarcation of of top four receivers. The guys we've talked about: yeah. um, Easley, Smith, Smith Marset, and Kyle Gronweg, and then the two tight ends I just mentioned. And then he even has said, we've even got two tight ends behind them that we really like. And I know he's talking about Nate Weeding and Sean Byer. So, um, I, I don't know. You were, you were there for the whole Ferentz part, Mark. Um, while I spent a lot of time with Stanley, um, I did listen to the whole Ferentz thing today on my drive back to, to Des Moines. Um, what did, uh, yeah. Uh, what did you take away from what he said about the receivers? Yeah, I mean, I think he thinks they've got some potential there. Obviously, uh, they need those guys to step up. Um, it was interesting that, yeah, he only mentioned those four. Uh, those are the guys in the depth chart, so I guess that stands to reason a little bit. But uh, um, I, to me, it kind of hinges on Easley being the leader. He talked about that, too, that you know, Easley has to be the leader of that group. And uh, so far, they like what they see out of him. I think uh, – so, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, I mean, I just thought – and, uh, he, and I, I couldn't believe how, how highly he praised uh, Nate Stanley. I mean, it's just like you, you right. quote too, Chad. But just I've never heard him say something quite like that about a player, especially a player who's not a senior. Right. That that was what my whole takeaway from the whole week was just how much mm-hmm. is on Stanley's shoulders, and they're not even shy about it. And then here's a guy that doesn't even really want any attention. A coach and a quarterback that don't want attention. It's kind of interesting. Um, <laughs> you know, compared to some of the other coaches we were covering this week at Nebraska and Minnesota. But uh, right. 
Michigan. Michigan. <laughs> that that was its whole own story, but yeah. uh, I don't know. I just huh. that's what I came away from this week. My main takeaway was wow, this season really is all about Nate Stanley. And is it too much pressure? I I mean, he seems like he can handle it, don't you? Mark did the big profile on him. Um, yeah. He, what did you, you said? He actually was pretty loose with you in your one-on-one. So maybe I don't think our listeners yeah. have heard yeah. about that interview yeah. much. Rel- maybe relatively talk. speaking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't uh, it wasn't like a yak fest, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, he was he's a little more comfortable, I think, in those settings, which I guess a lot of us are. And uh, and he did talk about that. What you mentioned, Chad, is that he talked about how he needs to be a little more comfortable with the media. He knows that he's a quarterback of a Big Ten school, so that's kind of expected. And and uh, he's he's working on that, but he also needs to be a better leader with his teammates because I think I mentioned this last week. You know, he he did not grow up in a big community and he did not go to a big school. Like he's not been around a lot of people all his life, and so he's kind of a reclusive guy, a little bit more introverted by his own admission. And that's maybe the biggest challenge for him. I mean, the football part of it, I think, is is easier. I mean, he's a, he's a natural athlete. He's a really smart study. Uh, he likes uh, you know getting into the playbook and watching film and doing all that stuff. It's the dealing with the the other teammates that uh, I think is maybe the most daunting thing for him, and that's what he's working on the most this year. But he does seem a lot more comfortable. He said he's a lot more comfortable. Uh, obviously, his teammates were speaking highly of him, so that's that's going to be really interesting to watch. Just that that whole dynamic play out to see if he can kind of come out of his shell a little bit. And uh, and be you know maybe the inspirational leader, not just not just the guy that that plays well, but also can inspire others to do the same. When we get back, let's look at what happens behind Nate Stanley. The depth chart has been released. We've got some questions that have come in on Twitter, wanting uh, wanting to know maybe what we see as the biggest strengths and biggest weaknesses on this team. Our buddy Anthony is going to tee one up for Mark. He wants to know all about this the special teams and the kicking game. Emmert's going to salivate during the break, and he'll have a great answer for Anthony when we get back with Hawk Central here on 1460 KXNO. Everything you need to know about the Hawkeyes, it's Hawk Central with the Des Moines Register, powered by G-Migs Fifth Street Pub on 1460 KXNO. Big thanks to G-Migs for uh, setting us up here with Hawk Central. They also sponsor Cyclone Insider. Of course, they bring you uh, man, our, our Monday evening reaction shows that we have with Jake and Jess. And when we get to Sage and uh, and Chuck Long, George is an awesome partner with us here at KXNO. We love having him on board here for Hawk Central. Chad, I did feel like one of the things that we would have to get through today would be kind of diving into this depth chart. We have a few people that have some suggestions on how we jump into that. But I think our buddy Anthony probably has a, a good spot for us to start. Anthony, how you doing, bud? Hey, pretty good, boss. How are you guys doing this evening? We're doing well, man. Where, where do you want us to start with this depth chart conversation? Well, I got two questions I got for you for you guys tonight. The first question is, how good the kicking game is going to be this year? And the other one is, what, what are your concerns about the specialty teams this year as you start off the 2018 season? And uh, I'll hang up a listen and uh, go Hawks. Anthony, go Hawks, bud. Appreciate it. All right, Mark, we'll let you start with the kickers here. Miguel Racinos listed as the number one kicker, but a couple other guys on the list with him, Keith Duncan and Caleb Shudak. Right, but it's Racinos' job, I think, clearly, unless he gets injured. Yeah. I thought he had a really good year last year. He'll be the guy who's good at kickoffs, too, so he's a, he's a solid answer there. The punting game, obviously, is the one that's in flux. and the one Actually, Kirk Ferentz even mentioned it, I believe, in his opening statement at 8 a.m. Yeah, he did. Yesterday morning, <laughs> one of the things... We got to be a lot better at punting this year. So I think he said uh, it was less than stellar. Less than stellar, yeah, which is actually polite. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So they're they're concerned about that. I I will have some thoughts about that in the next segment. We talk about the three things that may surprise Hawkeye fans. I've got mm. I've got some news there. I think, but oh, okay. uh, I think the kicking game itself is it'll be really really good. I'm with you. Yeah, uh, Racinos. Now, what about returns? Uh, right now, Ivory Kelly Martin kick returning. Uh, Amir Smith Marset back there also. Max Cooper maybe in the mix as a returner. What are we hearing there, Mark? Not at all. I don't think, did they even list any returners on the, on the depth chart? Chance? No, not in the media guide this time. So, and we didn't really yeah. discuss oh. that. Yeah. Oh, no. yeah. We, that that's a mystery right now. I mean, I'm sure they're they're storing that out all summer, but uh, yeah, for, for right now we have no idea who's returning either punts or kick. Well, we have some idea thanks to the Hawk Central Radio Show, if you recall. Right. That's right. I mean, Amir Smith Marset uh, was kind of the the name that uh, had some traction, I think, with Lavar Woods. So that'd be my prediction. Yeah. I think he's going to be your primary. At least yeah. kick returner. I don't know about punts, kick, but yeah, yeah, um, probably not punts. Though, don't you think? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I Maybe find, I, I bet they find somebody else for punts. But yeah, we'll, we can talk about that later. Yeah, we'll find out at media day on August tenth. Maybe. Maybe. Well, they probably they might not know, but no, we might find out September first. <laughs> All right, let's do this. Since we just did that, knocked out special teams. That's where Anthony wanted us to start. Let's start with that defensive backfield, and we'll kind of move our way up front, and then through the offense. Is that okay, Chad? Does that sound like a plan? Yeah, it's a perfect okay. way to go. Um, I think that was some of the bigger, I don't know, more interesting news of the Kirk Ferentz interview the other day. I mean, Manny Ragamba's departure certainly has, has been one of the stories of the summer. I mean, your biggest question marks are with with secondary and linebackers, so yeah, place to start, right? Yeah, he said the Ragamba departure was mutual, so that a little bit of clarity there. Um, and then... Uh, Mark and I both found it interesting. Uh, Brandon Snyder are already back, kind of on the code number one line at free safety. Um, with, kind of, with Jake Travas. With Jake Travas okay. at free safety, with Omani Hooker as the other safety. Um, at the corners, you've got Matt Hankins and Michael Ojemudia. No surprise there. Um, they did actually list Rugamba on the depth chart, which was a mistake. Uh, it sounds like uh, Trey Kramer uh, from Georgia and Josh Turner from Florida, both uh, redshirt freshmen, are, are the two guys right behind them. And Farron spoke pretty highly of them. But, but Mark, what did you think about uh, the safety thing? I thought was the most interesting um, topic there. On the depth chart as a whole, I think I agree with you. Yeah, that was. Uh, I mean, because that, that's a real fast rise for Snyder. You know, considering you know what, what he went through all last season to be already right back there. Battling basically apparently neck and neck with with Jake Gervas, who had a good season. Of you know, eventually I know early on he struggled a little bit and replaced him with Amani Hooker. But uh, by the end of the season, I thought Jake Gervas was playing really really well. So that's uh, it's a good problem to have for the Hawkeye coaches. Obviously, they got two experienced guys there that have shown they could do it. But uh, that's going to be I think that's going to be a tough call for somebody. Honestly, I don't know how you know what, what it's going to come down to or how long that battle is going to go. But I was really interested to see that Snyder has already worked his way all the way back up to the top. Chad, any chance that we see some movement from one of those guys? I know we talked about this mm-hmm. over the offseason, that maybe one of these guys finds their way to like an outside linebacker position from time to time. Maybe you move some of that uh, experience that you've got at safety, because we haven't mentioned Geno Stone, had a pretty good freshman year. Mm-hmm. Uh, DJ Johnson's a, re- a, a true freshman that's on campus that they're raving about. So they have some options here, right? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Uh, Ference even alluded to that just a little bit. He's in- about Gervas and Snyder, could they move one of those to that outside linebacker? He said, "Yeah, maybe against some of those, you know, pass-heavy teams or wide-open teams, which you see more and more of these days." So, I think they'll get creative in sub packages and and find ways to get them all on the field, assuming they're all healthy. Mark, 
run through the linebackers. What do you think it's going to look like on opening day? Do you, do you, do you feel confident with these three linebackers that we've seen? Yeah, it does sound like the three guys. Um, obviously, you got Amani Jones there, Christian Welch, and and uh, who am I blanking on? Nick Neiman. Um, yep. Nick Neiman, yeah, the other younger Neiman. Uh, I think those guys are pretty solid. Maybe maybe Welch would be the one that's maybe the question there. But uh, I do know uh, Kirk Ferentz was asked a direct question about Jack Hockaday, and, and he told the reporter that he, he hopes Hockaday is like one of the best stories of the summer. He's really rooting for the guy to maybe earn a starting spot finally. You know, as a senior, and right now he's the backup uh, to Imani Jones, but he can also back up Welch, too. So he might be able to work his way in there. But I, I do expect it to be those three guys. Chad, Aaron Men's a huge loss? Yeah, for depth. Okay. Yeah, I think for depth. I mean, uh, Jaimon Colbert, uh, redshirt freshman, popped onto the depth chart uh, at that backup weak side spot. Uh, we'll try to find out more about him as we go, but uh, he's the converted safety. Um, I do, I'm do. i pretty high on Nick Neiman, I will say. Um, just because he's uh, uh, supposedly a little bit better version of Ben, and uh, even though he hasn't played, uh, here's the guy entering his third year in the program. I mean, Ben started his second year in the program, so if you think about Nick Neiman being in the third year, um, learning from his brother, I think there's I think there's some optimism there, but there's going to be some rough patches, no doubt, with three new linebackers. I think the most optimism for any position group lies with defensive line. Yeah. Is that fair? Uh, except tight ends, maybe. Oh, okay, yeah, that's that, that's yeah, good. That's good. No, but, I think that's uh, that. You're, I think you're right about that. On the defensive side of the ball, certainly, the, yeah, <laughs> the yeah. most optimism for any group. With uh, okay, so run through this, Chad, for me. What it what it's going to look like starting four up front? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'll let uh, Mark give some analysis because he just posted a story on uh, on the D line. Uh, but uh, Anthony Nelson certainly is kind of your top rush end. Uh, he's he's backed up right now by Sam Brinks, which uh, who saw a lot of time at tackle in the spring. Uh, so interesting to see him back at end. Uh, and then Parker Hesse and AJ Epines are, are listed on the other side. I think you'll see uh, another steady rotation of those guys. Um, a lot of time on the field for all of them. Inside Cedric Lattimore and Matt Nelson. I've, I I think maybe we talked about this last week, but I told, I've been guilty of forgetting about Matt Nelson. And, and one thing in the Mark story. Uh, talked about was how he's feeling as good as he has in a long time and here's a guy uh who was a, a sophomore his whole sophomore year a starter his whole sophomore year six eight two ninety five that's a nice that's a nice piece inside <laughs> a defensive line and if cedric Gladmore can take that junior jump um he's the other he's the other starting tackle with uh chauncey golston backing him up who i heard a lot of people raving about this week uh, and then you got Brady Reef, uh, Mr. Uber, uh, also in the backup spot. So, Mark, take it away. What? Uh, how good is this defensive line? Yeah, I, I, I know I've hyped them now for this will be the third year, um, but I do just talk about those guys. I mean, it's probably the, as much depth as they ever had there. There's actually uh, you could throw Garrett Jansen in there too as a guy who played quite a bit last year. There's probably nine guys there capable of rotating in and out and being really, really solid in the defensive line. But the, the two stars there obviously are. Anthony Nelson and A.J. Epinesa. I, I, I had forgotten this yet. He actually, Epinesa had eight quarterback hurries last year to lead the team, even though he played, what, maybe a third of the snaps? Wow. <laughs> I mean, he is just a pass-rushing beast, four-and-a-half sacks. Uh, they all expect him to take that big step forward. I, I talked to Matt Nelson about him, and Matt Nelson was kind of mentoring those guys because he was out the spring with an injury. So, uh, so Reese Morgan said to him, hey, we need you to be the leader of this group uh, during the spring and kind of take them under your wings and be, be my eyes and ears in that in that defensive line room. And, and Matt Nelson, a quiet kid himself, took that challenge on. He's really mentoring 
but particularly Epinesa and Golston were the two young guys he mentioned as really, really being sponges and absorbing everything he said. And uh, one thing he said about Epinesa last year is he felt that there were times when he was trying to rely on sheer talent because he was used to doing that in high school. He said in high school that his 50% of him was better than 100% of the guy who was you know, trying to block him, so he could kind of get away with that, implying that the kids need to like realize, you know, i gotta, I got to have my motor going all the time here at this college level, and he thinks he's figured that out now. They expect him to be, you know, take a big step forward. So you think about those two guys, Anthony Nelson and AJ Epinesa. I mean, you're you're talking potentially what 16 to 20 sacks total between those two guys if they get it going. Great, wouldn't it? And uh, you know, yeah, Parker Hesse had a really really good, you know, junior has had a really good career. Frankly, he had a really good junior year too himself. And so that's three really good pass rushing defensive ends. So I think they got some good pieces there, and then uh, pretty good mix at defensive line uh, tackle too. So. Uh, I think that's a, that's a unit that could really, really give the, the team a lift this year and, and maybe get get beyond that, you know, 35 sack range. Everybody downplayed sacks. The importance of sacks is a statistic, but you know that they all want to get those sacks. And, no. and uh, you know, as Chad mentioned a couple weeks ago, I, Wisconsin had 42 last year as a defense. So if Iowa could get to that level, that would be a huge jump for this defensive line. Mark, we know because of the, the Uber incident, obviously, that Brady Reef won't be a part of the opening week. How much is he expected to be a, a part of that defensive front? I mean, I really think he was, like, number three at defensive tackle um, yeah. coming into this camp. I mean, Well, he was a starter entering spring. Exactly, yeah, with, when Matt Nelson was out. So I think they're expecting – I mean, he had, I thought he had a pretty good season last year as a sophomore. He's still you know, putting on weight and trying to adjust to being an inside guy. But uh, he's got a good motor, and, uh, and uh, I think they're expecting him to – you know, to be that number three guy in the defensive tackle rotation. Now, do they lose a little trust in him? I'm not sure how you know how much this hurts him. This this incident that he had over here with the when you know his public intoxication. He's out for one game. It's one game that they should that shouldn't be a factor for Iowa. They should be able to beat Northern Illinois without Brady Reed certainly. But uh, you know, so I assume that he'll come back in good standing and still be able to prove himself those next eleven games and be the guy, you know, that he thinks he can be. But uh, you know, the only thing I'd be is that there's a little bit of you know. I guess bad faith there now with the coaching staff and his teammates, or, or what that has, what is all that entails now. But uh, as far as I know, he'll be he'll be mm-hmm. firmly back in the mix. Okay, uh, should we go to offensive line, Chad? Anything else with the defense? Uh, not really. I just think uh, we've heard Golston's name all summer, yeah. so I just think that that's a guy that's also uh, very interesting to see what he what he does at defensive tackle, different kind of defensive tackle on six five two sixty five. Yeah. Longer arms. Still play end. Yeah, still yeah. could shift out to end. Uh, maybe even flip-flop yeah. with Brinks. Mm. So, I like Mark said, I like the depth that they have there um, quite a bit. Um, still concerned about defensive tackles. They don't have – remember Kelvin yeah. Bell last week? Was it last week? Yeah. 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 Talked about, yeah, well, I'm not – my cup's not runneth over with talent. So, like, okay. so I, I think they could still use, uh, you know, that uh, – maybe that Jaleel Johnson – type in the middle i don't think they have anybody like that um nope. at this point offensive line more uh, needs to be that yeah yeah, yeah that Lottimer would be a great fit for that uh, offensive line obviously on the outside you've got two fantastic tackles with alaric jackson and tristan Wirfs, two kids that are, are coming in now well i know jackson's going into his third year with the program he's a redshirt sophomore tristan Wirfs now just starting his second season with the program but expected jumps for both of those guys right chad yeah i do yeah i i think real highly of those two guys yeah. and i think they're huge pieces of this team because if in if indeed we're gonna talk about nate stanley uh being a passing quarterback this year or you know generating a lot more yardage through the air he's got to have protection and that certainly 
won't work if if guys are getting around the edge um against Worfs and Epinesa I'm uh, Worfs and Epinesa Jackson Jackson yeah Epinesa's trying to get They're around in practice yeah, right, right. right we knew so. what you meant <laughs> so uh, yeah two key guys there I think the bigger bigger question is how they hold up inside and that's it's weird to say about two sophomore tackles I feel pretty good about them yeah, I agree. Uh, inside, I think, is the bigger question. Mark, we, are, do you echo those sentiments? You feel good about Worfs and Jackson? You're looking at the inside of that line and and maybe wondering a little. Yeah, absolutely. Those guys are those guys are beasts. I mean, those guys are both NFL players. You know, so that's I don't think there's any really question there as long as they're healthy. But yeah, I mean, Keegan Render, I think, is a solid piece inside, and then there's question marks beyond him. I mean. If they move him to guard, who's going to play center? If they keep that center, then who are the two guards? Uh, there's going to be a lot of inexperience there in the middle of the line. Chad, try to walk us through what it looks like right now with Render as your center. Yep. Jackson at left tackle, Wirfs at right tackle. Who occupies those guard positions? Well, right now they got Ross Reynolds, uh, fifth-year senior from Adel slash Waukee um, at left guard. And then Cole Banwart was kind of the, uh, if you remember my Kirk Ferentz interview, and I think even in the Tim Polasek interview, he was kind of the guy that they identified as the rising, yeah. the, the guy that really made some moves this offseason. So he's at right guard right now. Um, one thing to note is uh, Levi Paulson, who was the starter at right guard, also started the pinstripe bowl at right tackle when Alaric Jackson was suspended. He's still working through an injury that's still not healed, and, and that was a little bit concerning to me to hear. So I don't know what his status is going to be you know, come September 1st. So... You know, they're going to be relying on Cole Banwart probably, um, and he's a, he's a sophomore from Algona. Yeah, you talked about some stuff moving around. Does that include maybe Banwart to center, or do you think he, he, they're going to lock him in at guard? I think it's an open possibility. Okay. Yeah, I All think right. if he's ready for it, I uh, wouldn't be shocked. Um, I remember, oh my boy, uh, I always done that before, where a guy kind of emerges, um, they shift him to center, shift another guy to guard, they'll flip flop him a little bit. If they think they're ready, obviously center is a very important position. So, I think Rendell's, Render will start there, and then the other guy I would say to watch, still on the depth chart, Mark Kellenberger um, at left tackle, mm-hmm. six six two eighty two. Uh, obviously needs to get bigger, but uh, to be a tackle probably. But this this guy was a really highly acclaimed recruit when when they brought him in. So I would look for him in that top six or seven. Maybe he maybe he works his way, you know, elevates himself into a starting guard to beat someone out there. So uh, keep an eye on that kid too. All right, now to the position group that uh, I think rightfully so I was corrected, that there's the most excitement about this, the most hype. Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson lead a really talented group of tight ends that are expected to be a huge part of this offense. Mark, I, I'm not even, should, we, should we just start with uh, uh, predicting how many dozen touchdowns Noah Fant catches this year? <laughs> how many dozen? Three? Yeah. Three dozen? I, am I, is that too high? Am I, is that, am, I, am I setting the bar too high? That seems like a lot. That seems like a lot. But two is definitely within reach. <laughs> all right. So in all seriousness, though, that this is a dynamic group of, of tight ends, not just with Fenton Hawkinson, but Chad kind of alluded to this earlier, that even Ference referenced his backup tight ends in, uh, is it Sean Beyer and Nate Weeding? Yep. Okay. Yep. Talented group here, Mark. You you should be excited about your, your tight ends here. Absolutely, yeah. I think that's a, a real strong position group, and, uh, and, and Weeding apparently is – really coming on he's a lot of people are talking about him he's a guy that uh obviously had that it was his first catch ever right in the pinstripe bowl mm-hmm. um but also solid blocker uh, i think he's going to be a contributor chad how about sean byer richard sophomore yeah he's uh kind of that up-and-comer um real athletic guy and, and just sort of trying to 
you know, grasp the position, the blocking part of the position. I mean, he's he's bulked up about almost forty pounds now. So, um, I think he's kind of like I went. He's not. Nobody's in the next Noah Fant. I mean, there's. It's amazing what the comments that that were pouring out about Fant um, this weekend um, or this week from different guys just about his athleticism, just how he can jump. Uh, we all know that um, from the stories we wrote in this off season, but. This is a rare talent in Iowa. Um, you know, is going to try to use him. I mean, that that's what they got to do. They got to use their very best players and and try to win ball games. And that's that's basically what I see with Stanley Hawkinson fan. The and the tight end's not the only backups that got a little love from Coach Ferentz. He also mentioned four wide receivers: Brandon Smith, Nick Easley, uh, Amir Smith, Marset, and Kyle Gronewig, the senior. Right. Yep, uh, and I think uh, the Brandon Smith is probably the one that. Um, I heard the most about maybe that was more be, being over with Stanley, but uh, boy, he's he's really raving about Brandon Smith, and uh, I know we've talked about him a lot, so you got to see it to believe it. But six three two nineteen certainly gives you that size you need on the outside. It's just you know they're just going to have to connect there, and if they do, um, you know you can envision how this could be a pretty effective offense. But you know it's it's just such an interesting. I think it's just an interesting off season because we just don't know. We just don't know, but we. We hear good things, and you don't usually hear good th- like this many, many good things from guys we haven't seen a lot of. So, Mark, uh, if I make you pick here on July 25th, which one of those four receivers, not your tight ends, which one of those four receivers ends the season with the most receptions? Oh, I still say easily. Okay, but I, I but I bet Smith Marset has the most yards. I kind of was even thinking Smith Marset for receptions. That is that is really? That, yeah, yeah. They've shown a lot of faith in him last year. Some screen passes, maybe? Yeah. Something like that. They, just, he, they, they find unique ways to get him the ball, and I, I like that yeah. a lot. So I could see him yep. being a big part of that offensive game plan. All right, so now let's go to the backfield. We've talked a little bit about quarterback. We'll get to that last year. But uh, at running back, obviously Torin Young and Ivory Kelly Martin are the two guys that show up there. But, Chad, everybody should kind of keep Sargent in mind here also, right? Definitely, yeah. He's, he's on scholarship. Um, he's... I think he's in the top three. I mean, I think it's. I think Torn Young is is yeah. probably their, you know, their uh, big carry back. I mean, I think he's probably going to be their fifteen to twenty carry type guy. But uh, uh, Ferris really didn't make any bones about it. I mean, he's they're planning on using him. They're uh, they really like what he's done. They he actually compared him to James Butler um, in terms of style oh. and you know ability to play right away. So you know. I'm gonna kind of go with that comp since we haven't we haven't seen him yet, and Kirk Ferentz said it. So, I mean, if you throw a James Butler into that back into the mix there, I, I like that that I like that three way combo. Uh, Sergeant they list at five ten two ten, interesting size guy. Um, you know, yep. Torn Young's a little bit about the same about the same height, a little heavier. Uh, Ivory Kelly Martin's um, a little lighter, more the quick guy. So. Um, I'm gonna have I to like wait. To, I'm gonna have to wait They're to see sophomores. Sergeant in pads before I believe that five ten because what I've seen, I, I thought yeah. close. I was thinking close to five eight. Okay, so Mark uh, saw the last chance you episode where I Sergeant. Did too. Okay, how did you guys, I, was, I didn't yeah. see it yet. Uh, I fell asleep. <laughs> so how did how good I'm, was it? How did you fall asleep with all that cussing? Jeez, <laughs> he's, he's used to it. <laughs> 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 no, yeah, I, th- I thought he. I thought he. Looked, I mean, obviously, <laughs> they saw him scoring two touchdowns, so he looked good on those. But yeah, you're right. You're right, Ross. I don't think he looks five ten to me. He looks yeah. a little bowling. 
which I'm all right with. I'm totally fine yeah, with that. Right. Good to know. Good to know. Heck, yeah. All right, and so we talked a lot about Nate Stanley to kind of start things off, Chad. What does the depth chart look like behind Nate Stanley? God forbid something happens to the guy that everybody's talking about being the key to this team. What happens? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, certainly they're in trouble. Uh, Peyton Manziel looked pretty good in the spring game, I thought. Uh, but I guess just the only other thing I would mention is every time the – I would say Kirk Ferentz was probably asked over five times about the, the four-game redshirt rule. Mm-hmm. And every time he talked about how they would like to use it at quarterback. So that tells get, me – Get uh, uh, Petrus in. Yeah, uh, yeah. so I, that tells me that's the plan with Spencer Petrus, barring a break glass in emergency situations. So I think you will see Petrus is what I'm saying this fall in some way shape or form i would imagine we see experience. him in these first couple games uh, maybe not the second game but yeah yeah <laughs> right right but i mean in these in these opening maybe the first and third yep maybe yeah i think that would be the plan all right when we get back we'll uh we'll pick apart some other stuff here there has been some attrition here what uh, what are they looking at for scholarships a few other things that we'd like to touch on a few names that you'll notice missing from that depth chart and then what else do these guys pick up from some of the uh, from from across enemy lines while they were at media days we'll wrap up Hawk Central with Chad Lysico and Mark Emmert next here on 1460 KXNO Everything you need to know about the Hawkeyes, it's Hawk Central with the Des Moines Register powered by G-Mix Fifth Street Pub on 1460 KXNO I'm not sure any of you folks need to go down to uh, Wells Fargo Arena tonight. Chad Lysico and I were just killing it with some Shania Twain karaoke here in the studio. I mean, if you want, go down there. But if you'd like, we could just... No, Chad, don't want to do that? <laughs> to be clear, it was just you in that break. <laughs> 28459. Vouch for Chad on this. I don't think anybody thought you were singing. Everybody knows I was. <laughs> hey, Troy wants to jump into our conversation here real quick. Troy, thanks for giving us a call, buddy. How are you? Great. Hey, great show, guys. Really enjoyed uh, the coverage that you provided. It's excellent. Thank you. So um, in the Big Ten West, I, I'm trying to get a feel for that. Is uh, Besides Wisconsin, uh, looking at last year, it feels like Iowa finished better than four and five in the league. So uh, besides Wisconsin, Nebraska obviously is going to gather our attention. Uh, Purdue, I'm, I'm glad that uh, – Minnesota has kind of not emerged. It seems like things have been quiet since Frost got here up in Minnesota. How do you feel about the Big Ten West? Yeah, let's, uh, Mark, let's start with you. I know you actually wrote about Northwestern and Purdue, two of the teams that Troy was wondering about. Yeah, I just thought that was really, looking back at last year, you talked about that four and five record. That was two really bad losses uh, for Iowa in terms of games that they probably could have won, should have won maybe. Uh, and if they, those results are different, obviously that's a much different season last year. So these are two teams. To me, that Iowa really needs to stay ahead of before they can talk about Wisconsin. Uh, I'm not as concerned about Nebraska as uh, as the caller is, or I know Chad is really high on Nebraska. I'm just not yet. But uh, but to me, uh, yeah, the, the second place spot for sure in the Big Ten West is wide open. I think uh, it's Iowa's to lose. And then uh, you know if they get there, there's I mean Wisconsin has a really tough schedule. If they can get Wisconsin at home here, uh, it's, it's a possibility they could win that. Thing. We were looking at that about an uh, hour ago, Mark, before we brought you guys on. Yeah. Wisconsin's schedule is brutal. I mean, every other game is is a tough one on the road. Yeah, yeah, but they, I mean, I do think they have a really elite offense, though. So I mean, it's possible they can lower that schedule, but yeah. uh, but uh, we'll see. But it, it does give Iowa an opening, I think, for sure. Chad, what should Iowa fans think about Nebraska? Yeah, I think that I think Frost was a good hire. I mean, you could you could you can yep. tell that he's uh he's on the ball there. Um 
he was pretty provocative in some of his comments. You know, he's saying you, know, you better get us now because we're going to be really good soon. Um, so I think this is kind of the year to you know, maybe beat up on Nebraska for another year. But I do think uh, they're going to be. I think they might be better than people think, um, even just even this year. Uh, but they do. They also have a very very brutal schedule on the road anyway. Um, so I I would say Nebraska is one of the teams Ross I came away more more impressed with than I arrived. Uh, I would also put Maryland in that category in the in the other okay. division. Same with Michigan, although I was already high on Michigan as as Mark knows. Um, as far as teams that uh, maybe I got a lesser lesser feeling of uh, Minnesota, you could just tell to me the PJ Flex language. Um, they're just not ready to compete yet. Um, really talked a lot about inexperience and. This is actually now. This is actually year one. He said, <laughs> "PJ Flex said <laughs> last year was year zero." Just to be clear, uh, so and then Lovey Smith, same deal. I don't feel very optimistic there. Um, I don't know any ones that any any that jumped out to you, Mark, has um, you know surprised you? Yeah, impressed you? I'm not surprised, but I, I still really do think uh, if Northwestern gets that quarterback back, I think they're they're in pretty mm, good shape. I, I disagree. Pat like Fitzgerald a lot. I just don't think they. They kind of usually find a way, even though they don't always have the talent. But I think he's got a pretty good system there, and he's a good coach. But uh, so that's that to me. That's a big game, and of course they have to come to Kinnick. So that's that's that's, that's the one that I would really really need to win. Hmm. They might be okay, but they have to play. They also play Duke and Notre Dame in non-conference. They got a real. They got a, right. they're another one of the very tough schedule. Uh, anything for yeah, the Big Ten East? Did you guys? Is there anything you're, you'd like to pick apart with that? Um, go ahead, Mark. I picked Michigan. Which I was one of okay. the few people in the media that did, and I, I, st- I came away from that. Were you the guy that had a half a vote for yeah. Michigan and a half a vote for Ohio State? Yeah, but I had Michigan winning the tie. Yep, that was me. That was you? Yeah. We were making fun of you an hour ago. <laughs> oh, no. Well, if they both finish 8-1, <laughs> and one, do that. it's a tie. <laughs> I, was, can you answer this? One guy picked Michigan State to beat Wisconsin. Was it the blogger that uh, oh, told yeah. Harbaugh how awful he was? <laughs> I wish I knew. I don't think he would have made the media poll, honestly. Yeah, Jim Harbaugh, you're basically the most overrated coach of all time, and you suck. Your response? <laughs> he's, like, uh, he's like, improving. Yeah, we- exactly. Trust the process. Next question. <laughs> Uh, um, let's go. A few other things with the Hawks. I think we should touch on here, and then I know you got some Twitter questions that we wanted to kind of roll through quickly here, Chad. But there is there has been some attrition with this Hawkeye team. I mean, gosh, we even talked about Manny Ragumba was still on the the depth chart that they released, and he won't be a part of the team. There are a couple of guys that fall into that category of names you need to forget. Yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe we should save an attrition discussion, a longer one for next week, just because okay. we're running out of time. But uh, five new names uh, that left the program. Um, that we weren't sure about Toxic Kinderbody, Kyle Taylor, and Spencer Williams, all medical reasons. Um, Cam Harrell and, and Nate Wheeland are transferring. Okay. So um, that brings the total to 17 from last scholarship guys from last year that could have been back this year but aren't. Uh, now two of those went to the NFL and two grad yeah. transferred, but 13 others. So All right, a couple of Twitter questions we can rapid fire here. Uh, Mark, I'll throw this one to you first. This came from Tom Hendricks. Give us three things you think will surprise Iowa fans this year, good or bad. Yeah, I like this one, and uh, I referenced it earlier, but uh, I'm going to start with my favorite topic, and that's the punt game. And I think uh, the, both the punt game and the return punt return game are going to be much better this year than they were last year, which is not saying a lot. Right. I think, uh, Iowa's talked about this enough. They know it was a deficiency. Uh, they've had time to address it. I think uh, Gersande is going to be the answer and be a solid punter. I'm not saying it's going to be all Big Ten. And I do think that they're going to work really hard to find a punt returner this summer to be one of those freshmen 
to be a, like a, maybe a sophomore, a first or second year guy, but I think they're going to find somebody that they can trust returning punts, uh, at least fielding punts, which would be a big step up. So I think yeah. that's one. Uh, I think the second one is I mentioned Weeding. I think Nate Weeding is going to be a really good uh, third option at tight end, both pass catching and pass blocking. I'm not saying he's going to have big numbers because you've already got Van Hawkins in there, but maybe maybe eight to ten catches and a really good blocker, and he'll see the field quite a bit, I think. And then uh, the third one here is just a hunch, but I think just talking to Ferris, I think we might see three 500-yard run, running backs this year. Mm. They're going to put that load up a little bit. I like, I like uh, what each guy has to offer. They're going to find situationally uh, how to use those guys. And I don't think they're going to have a real big workhorse back. I'm not sure anybody is ready to be a three-down back of those guys, in the Big Ten at least. Uh, so I think they're going to find a way to, to get yardage uh, by committee. And i got three guys going over 500 yards. I like that. I think all three of those are really stuff. good, Mark. Yeah, fantastic. Chad, what are your three? Uh, I'll start. Now, Mark had no bad surprises, by the way. Those are all good surprises. Hey, yeah, you know, I, I missed that part of the question. Yeah. <laughs> it's July. Um, talk about bad. My my good surprise is uh, one of my good surprises is I think, and this isn't even like trying to be cute. I think Fant and Hawkinson could be first and second team All Big Ten tight end. That's one of my okay. good surprises. I think that's a very realistic possibility if both top thirty thirty five catches, um, maybe six to ten touchdowns each. Um, another, I think another good surprise um, I would put in the category of good surprise would be. Um, Brandon Smith. I mean, I know. I think we've been expecting a lot for a while, but I think that I think he's kind of that missing piece to that passing game. Um, now, those are two things in the passing game, so I'll stick with that. Bad surprise. Until Iowa shows better pass protection, um, I think that could be a problem, and that might really bite this team. We've seen that against Wisconsin time and time again. They got to somehow protect the passer better. Uh, and, and then lost their two best offensive linemen, so that could be a bad surprise. From the Antoni Defender. What's the likelihood Fant surpasses Dallas Clark as best Iowa tight end? Well, let's just kind of keep this in the Ferentz era. I'll go quick. I think uh, unlikely because uh, he's going to be gone after this year. I know Clark only played two years as well. Um, I would probably still put Clark number one. Uh, I mean, he would have to win the Mackey Award to equal that. So uh, I think long term, right. I think long term, uh, Hawkinson, if he stays four years, could end up uh, having the best numbers of any tight end in the Ferentz era. Mark? Yeah, I agree with Chad. I, I wasn't here for the Dallas Clark era, but uh, that seems like a tall order, and I, and I think Fant's going to be done after this year, and he's also splitting time with Hawkinson, so I'm not sure we can put up you know the big enough That's numbers to, to surpass Dallas Clark. All right, the last one is from Simplified Rehab. Was Iowa's yards per carry last year down because of having young pass-catching tight ends? And will that number improve? What does it need to be for Iowa to win the West? So it kind of throws a couple of it at, at you there, Chad. I would say yeah, that's a big part of it um, in the in the run game because because those two guys were in there a lot. They didn't they only ran for three point seven six a carry. Uh, what's the number they need? I would say they need to get all. I'd say they got to get to five point oh to win the West, wow. and that's about where Wisconsin Wisconsin will be above that. So I think if you can get to five point, yeah. which is hard to get, uh, um, especially but, with uh, when you're looking at three running backs and that's yeah, yeah. that's yeah. why I didn't pick Iowa to win the West. Mm. <laughs> I mean Wisconsin should be able to run wow. run over teams. Mark, what's your number? I'm going to go. I, I don't think it needs to be quite that. I mean, I, I would go four and a half would okay. be a big improvement, uh, especially if they can get enough out of that passing game with those tight ends and converge that wide receiver like we talked about. Uh, I think that's a, a winning number in this era of football. Well, I said 5.0 to guarantee the West. So if we, Hey, I got one more real quick. Okay. Um, from Nate team, we'll tease this to a column right next next week. Other than Nate Stanley, who can Iowa least afford to lose due to injury this season? Go, Mark. Ooh. I'm going to go easily. 
Ooh, interesting. Ooh, that's a really good Boss? one. Yeah. I'm going to go Alaric Jackson. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, right now I'm leaning towards those two tackles. Yeah. I haven't decided which one yet. That's a great question, though. It is a great question, and I, I might – Elevate Fant into that category too. Another yeah, that's deep. a tough one. He, he went through the head. You know, a guy that's going to be so exciting is AJ Epinesa. I, w- I would hate <laughs> to have this season without AJ Epinesa. Or too. Anthony so, Nelson, or yeah, your a middle linebacker. Great show today, Chad, Mark. Thank you guys so much. Glad to have you back. We'll be back at it again next right. Wednesday here on Hawk Central, fourteen sixty KXNO.